Welcome to Silicon Valley Trends, a free podcast series published by Silicon Valley Business School. I'm your host, David Smith. At Silicon Valley Business School, we provide affordable, real-world online business education to everyone, everywhere, and guide entrepreneurs towards success with their startup ventures. This episode is about selling your patents. As a patent broker for more than 15 years, running Tynax, an online exchange, featuring hundreds of thousands of patents, I'm approached by individuals, small companies, and large organizations every day, each one looking to collect some return on their investment in patents. Unfortunately, many inventors have been encouraged to pay the cost associated with filing a patent on the mistaken belief that all patents are valuable and that there's a large market of hungry patent buyers out there somewhere. I get the unfortunate job of having to tell them about the realities of the patent market, which is pretty cutthroat, and the epitome of a thin market in that there are very few buyers and very few patents that match what the buyers are looking for. The first thing to understand when selling a patent is the motivation of buyers. Let's investigate why a company would buy a patent. Then let's look into what type of patents a company might be interested in buying. Then let's get into the mechanics of selling a patent. Now a patent is a right to exclude others from practicing an invention without a license. It's a right to go to court and bring a lawsuit against an infringer. A patent is a weapon of litigation and that's all it is. There's nothing else you can do with a patent except perhaps consider it to be a trophy of your genius and impress your grandmother with it. You can use a patent to file continuations, essentially child patents, that build on the original invention. And so long as you have a business in the United States, you can take a patent to the International Trade Commission, the ITC, to stop infringing products being imported into the United States. The ITC is an alternative venue to bring your lawsuit, and in many ways it's more expensive than bringing a suit in the US federal court. And the ITC cannot award damages. If you're looking to force an infringer to pay a royalty, you have to go through federal court in the United States. Bringing legal action with the ITC can result in an injunction blocking infringing products coming in through the ports. If you're interested in the ITC, You'll find another Silicon Valley Trends podcast focusing on this topic. I've been in this brokering business for a long time, dealing with all sorts of buyers. And I've never, ever seen a company buy a patent because they admire the technology or because they want to build a product that incorporates the patented invention. It's never happened in my experience. And we've dealt with hundreds of thousands of patents over more than 15 years. Remember, a patent is a right to exclude. Companies view patents as weapons of litigation. They buy them to sue other companies in court or to threaten other companies with countersuits. They hold a stock of ammunition aimed at their competitors in the same way the US and Russia have nuclear weapons aimed at each other. Large corporations have stockpiles of patents and gather evidence of infringement by their competitors so that any attack by a competitor would result in mutually assured destruction. 
or the patent litigation equivalent, which involves lots of lawsuits and countersuits, as you saw when Steve Jobs triggered a patent war between Apple and Samsung. The bad news for patent holders is that the vast majority of patents, like more than 99% of them, don't match what buyers are looking for. 90% of patents are not infringed, which means there aren't any prospective licensees, and the other 9% might be infringed, but the evidence of infringement is difficult to find. The infringement is not substantial enough to support a licensing campaign, or the patent wasn't built to withstand the rigours of litigation, so it can easily be knocked out when challenged. If you have patents that are heavily infringed, you have a family of them with open continuations, and the patents were built by patent attorneys capable of constructing litigation quality patents, then you could be in with a shot of finding a buyer. If your patent covers an invention that's not being practiced and built into products shipping in the market today, why would a company be interested in buying it? They won't be buying your patent to generate licensing revenues because no one's using it and there are no targets for a licensing campaign. It might be logical to think that a company might want to buy your patent to practice the invention and build products that utilize the invention. In the cutthroat world of business, this is not the way things really work. A company doesn't need to buy your patent to build your invention into its product. If it does practice your invention without a license, it's infringing the patent. But most large corporations just go ahead and infringe anyway, because they calculate that they can likely outmuscle you as the patent holder in court. The corporation will simply use the invention without paying you to buy it or paying you a licensed royalty. You have to understand that these companies have a duty to their shareholders to maximize the revenue and minimize the expenditures. So they won't pay to buy a patent or buy a license to a patent unless they're forced to. Large corporate product manufacturers generally take the position that they have an army of lawyers an arsenal of patent weapons, and a war chest of funds. So if you want them to pay you to use your invention, then you're going to have to force them through having your own army of lawyers and your own war chest. And lawsuits cost millions of dollars. One single patent is generally not going to scare them into coughing up the money you're asking for. A bunch of litigation-grade patents might grab their attention, so long as there's evidence that the company is infringing. If there's no infringement, then you're generally out of luck. And you'll have to wait until infringement develops in the marketplace. Up to a point, older is better when it comes to patents. Patents that sell are usually at least 12 years of age. Some of the most sellable are more than 15 years old. This may be surprising when you consider that patents expire at the age of 20. But remember that you can collect back royalties from infringers. So if you buy a patent that's 19 years old, you have 19 years of potential royalties to collect from infringers. A patent that's just one year old is rarely, if ever, going to have sufficient infringement in the marketplace to justify any interest from a buyer. 
Patents are granted on inventions that are new, novel and non-obvious. If the invention has been seen before, your patent will not be granted by the patent office. So when you file your patent, there's little or no possibility of infringement in the marketplace. And what you're hoping is that companies will start to adopt your invention, selling products on a large scale that incorporate your patented inventions. Then, usually after at least 10 years from the date you file the patent application, you can go collect royalties from all those infringers. It's at this point that your patent becomes valuable and potentially sellable. When you realize that a patent is a weapon of litigation, a right to sue an infringer, then you might appreciate that companies don't go around buying patents for their own products. They're looking for patents they can use to sue competitors. They're not likely to sue themselves with the patent, so it really doesn't matter if they're using the invention or not. At this point in the podcast, somewhere in the region of 90% of you will realize that your patent is not likely sellable because it's not being sufficiently infringed. Sorry about that. If you're still listening, let's get into the mechanics of selling a patent. There are patent brokers. My company, Tynax, is a patent broker. We represent buyers and sellers brokering patent sale transactions. On our Tynax website, you'll find a paper explaining what patent brokers do, how they're compensated, and how they work. As a patent broker, I have good connections with companies and organizations that are repeat buyers. They could be operating companies, buying patents to sue or threaten to sue competitors, or they could be non-practicing entities, or NPEs, that buy patents to assert them and collect license fees. These repeat buyers are operating in technology areas where products are packed with thousands of patents. Areas like telecommunications, software, internet, and all forms of electronic devices. There have been studies that show that there are hundreds of thousands of patented inventions in a modern smartphone. It's these types of areas where companies are stockpiling patents and where patent brokers can be most effective. If your patent covers a more simple product that doesn't have complex electronics or a wireless connection, a patent broker is not likely going to be able to help you because the buyer you're looking for is not a repeat buyer, does not have any connections with a patent broker, and you're likely to know your market better than any patent broker would. We have a page on our Tynax website called How to Sell Your Own Patent. And this gives you some good tips about how you can sell without a broker. One thing you can do is list your patent for sale on our Tynax exchange, which is free. Whether you're going through a broker or selling directly, buyers are going to want a package of information that includes claims charts. A claims chart takes one of the claims of your patent and shows how each element of the claim is found in an infringing product. It's essentially evidence of infringement. In the left column of the chart, you show the claim. And in the corresponding right column, you show evidence that the claim is being practiced. Claims charts are not easy to draw up because sometimes the evidence is difficult to find. But they're all important when it comes to selling your patent. Once you've identified the suspected infringers, 
you can start the process of identifying potential buyers. These are the infringers themselves, their competitors, and licensing companies that are in the business of selling patent licenses to companies in this particular area of technology. Looking at patents citing your patent can be a good way of finding companies that are interested in this space. If they're filing patents similar to yours, they might be interested in your patent. When you identify a company as a potential buyer, you need to reach out to them and the best place to start is with the legal department, where pretty much all large companies have at least one lawyer that's responsible for acquiring patent rights, usually through prosecuting new applications, but sometimes through purchasing patents invented elsewhere. Now, you need to understand that you're entering a legal minefield when you go about selling your patent. If you prepare a claims chart showing that a company is infringing your patent and you send that chart to the company itself, you're essentially accusing that company of infringing. And that company now has a right to bring a lawsuit against you asking the court to declare that it's not infringing. If you don't join the lawsuit, you lose your right to sue the company in future. Many patent holders have unwittingly triggered these lawsuits by simply sending a letter or an email to a prospective buyer. Patent brokers are accustomed to navigating through this legal minefield. But if you're trying to sell the patent yourself, you're well advised to have an attorney guide you. And as always, when selecting an attorney, you want a specialist. In this case, someone familiar with patent sale transactions and litigation. A divorce attorney isn't going to be much help unless your spouse gets upset when you're sued by a prospective buyer. When a company evaluates your patent, it usually involves hiring expert patent attorneys, and they don't come cheap. In view of the significant costs associated with simply evaluating your patent, Buyers are reluctant to consider patents unless they're assured they're not wasting their time. A buyer will generally run a mile if it gets some indication that you're not going to be reasonable on price. You have to understand that it's not unusual for inventors to have some unrealistic expectations when it comes to estimating the value of their patents. So let's talk about price. Patents usually sell for the price of a car. Most patents are in the economy car range, say $25,000 to $50,000. Some might get into the luxury car range, where they command six-figure prices, like $100,000 or $200,000. Very rarely are there any supercars out there, and very, very few patents sell in the million-dollar range. One surefire way of scaring off a buyer or a broker is by telling them you think your patent is worth millions of dollars. They figure they're wasting their time and they won't hire the patent attorneys to do the patent evaluation. Buyers and brokers are looking for sellers that are reasonable and will accept the market rate prices. Here at Tynax, we get lots of inventors who have some strange ideas about patent pricing. One inventor with a patent on a design for a chair told us he wanted $7 billion for his patent. We asked him if he meant billion or million, and he said, whichever is bigger. 
He did say, though, that he would accept $2 billion for cash. The same week, we had another seller with a patent on a truck part that set an asking price of $2.5 billion for his patent. So, yes, there are some unrealistic inventors out there. And buyers will do what they can to avoid them at all costs. To encourage a buyer to invest in the evaluation of your patent, you're going to have to assure the buyer that you're not going to be unreasonable when it comes to price. When sending patents to buyers, I often have to give my word that the seller is going to be reasonable on price and that the buyer is not wasting its time and money on the evaluation. Once the buyer is comfortable that the seller is not crazy, after an initial review of the patent, the buyer will engage the patent attorneys who will evaluate the patent and assess whether the claims charts really do show evidence of infringement. This can take a few weeks. When the buyer has decided to make an offer, I suggest you engage an experienced attorney if you're not represented by a patent broker. When I'm brokering representing a seller, I can usually increase the price by a significant amount once the buyer has made the initial offer. On one hand, a patent broker like me is going to take a commission on the sale. But on the other hand, the broker can usually push up the price and you'll end up with more money in your pocket if you're represented by an experienced patent broker or an attorney that's an expert in patent sale transactions. When it comes to asserting the patent and litigating the patent in court, the inventor is often called as a witness. So it's not unusual that the buyer will make arrangements for you to be questioned in depositions and potentially appear in court after you've sold the patent. You'll usually be compensated on an hourly rate for this work. As I mentioned, We've had the unfortunate job of telling lots of inventors about the realities of the patent market and shattering their dreams that they're going to sell their patent for billions of dollars. But on the other hand, I've had the pleasure of hearing the squeals of delight when patent sellers find pretty large sums of money deposited in their bank accounts as the result of a patent sale. I had one client that was extremely anxious, screaming at me on the phone at 2.15 in the afternoon, but by 2.30, he saw a million dollars was in his bank account, his anxiety disappeared, and it was like talking to a different person. So this episode is focused on selling your patent. The other way of monetizing your patent is through licensing, and we'll be working on another episode that deals with licensing coming up. You'll find more information on this topic in the Guide to Selling Patents uh, my book, Patent Cloaks and Daggers, and the guide to patent brokers, my book on valuation called Dollar Value. These are all freely available on the tynaxtynax.com website. Check out the resources section and you'll find all the books and materials there. You're welcome to join me in my Silicon Valley Business School chat room where I can answer questions and help you monetize your patents and navigate your startup towards success. I hope you'll join us for future podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe so you get new episodes as and when they're released. And please rate us in your podcast player, as this will help us get the word out to entrepreneurs and the other people who are trying to help with this podcast series. That's it for today. Hope you tune in to the next Silicon Valley Trends.
podcast for innovators and entrepreneurs.